Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Hey, welcome to the show. My guest today is Ryan Peters. So Ryan and I actually got connected through uh, business contacts. So uh, Thomas, who is the CEO of our parent company, I guess you would refer to it as, uh, called Republics. Uh, And I say it that way because Thomas and I knew each other when we first uh, merged our two companies before it ultimately became what is now known as Republics and all of these other companies underneath it. And anyways, Thomas introduced me to Ryan um, because Ryan is one of the advisors and shareholders of our company. And we met probably... I guess it was about four or five months ago now when I was talking about moving our family down to Costa Rica. So naturally, whenever, you know, we make a commitment, because my wife and I had a conversation of like, we're doing this, we immediately go into research mode, right? And naturally, you want to try and find somebody that has a little bit of the inside track and can give you some honest, uh, you know, unfiltered feedback about like, what is this experience going to be like? And Ryan was that person, actually, because Ryan lives in uh, Tamarindo in Costa Rica, uh, he's actually Canadian. He's from uh, Montreal. And Thomas and him knew each other from past business dealings. And anyways, we ended up having some amazing conversations over the last number of months. Ryan's fed me with all kinds of just insights and, and info about, you know, car rentals and places to stay and regions. And, you know, we've we've just had great talks about this whole idea of living your best life and what it means to create the right habits that allow you to live that best life. Like, Ryan talked about it on the interview here today. You know, his day starts at 545. He's on the beach doing yoga. Then he's in the water surfing. Then the heart rate's going and he's coming back and having a healthy meal. And then he's into his work day. And this is all happening before like 8 a.m. And I kind of joked around about it, but I was like, dude, I'm living vicariously through the story you just told and realizing that I have to exemplify that in my day-to-day habits that I have right now. So anyways... Ryan and I had a great conversation about exactly that. This whole idea of like, you can have everything in life. You can, you know, live your best life and create your best life. And it can be in a tropical, beautiful location, but it really starts with the inner work. It starts with having the right values, having the right habits in place that allow you to be, you know, thriving when you do finally get to that place. And we spoke about just the state of the world and, you know, the opportunities, but also the challenges that people are faced with now with the work uh, remote situation, not only employees, but also business owners and how companies need to truly embrace this and not only embrace it, but support people to live their best life. And I think you're just going to like the energy from this conversation. I mentioned it numerous times in the call that, you know, I choose to spend time around people that have a certain energy to them that's elevates who I am. My current version of myself constantly gets elevated every time I have a conversation with people like this. And Ryan is definitely one of those people. So can't wait to introduce you to him. Let's go ahead and give it a listen. All right, Ryan Peters, welcome to my show. So good to see you again, my friend. You too, Trevor. Good to be here. Yeah. And you can't help but notice and hear a little bit of the jungle buzzing behind you there. Uh, give everybody a little sense as to where you are sitting at this moment right now. 
At the moment, uh, I'm in a fairly picturesque utopian scene, I got to say. Um, and even when I wake up, it feels a bit surreal as much as I have done this for a fair amount of years. But I'm in, uh, in a small town called Tamarindo off the west coast of Costa Rica, uh, Oceanside, about a five-minute walk down the hill to the ocean. And the average temperature here is about 31 degrees. And I'd say it's at 31 degrees about 10 months of the year. Beautiful. Love it. Not so yeah. for anybody that, yeah, anybody that's been following along on my podcast, you know that I've been talking about the fact that our family is going to be moving, whether it's to Tamarindo, Costa Rica, Panama, Mexico. I don't know. We'll we'll see where the wind kind of takes us and all of the other things that are, you know, slowing that down or allowing us to have these nice little, you know, necessary pivots along the way. But Ryan is somebody that's um We've connected through just mutual contacts uh, through business originally, and then now we've had a few great conversations, and he's been a just a wealth of knowledge for me to just start the exploration of, like, where would I go in Costa Rica, and what like what's it like there, right? So I'm so glad that we're able to do this conversation because, and actually record it now, too, because we've had so many great talks and gone down a whole bunch of different rabbit holes and that's my intention here, too, is to just see kind of where the wind takes us. And uh, I have no doubt it'll be a good, good chat. So absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, too, I mean, it's uh, it's really uh, thank you for for offering this to me as well, because it feels like uh, I've been helping and working people uh, gain experiences and some of the things that I do and some of the ways that I've lived in my life. And uh, it's not always easy to see how to get the message out there. And when you offered this opportunity that uh, that was a great uh, help to me, I think as well. So uh, really happy to be here, and and thanks for that uh, invitation. Yeah, of course, and and I do want to tap into that, like all the knowledge of what you have, not only in the business side, but just the habits that you've created for yourself that have allowed you to pick up and move from uh, Canada, from Montreal, down to Costa Rica. You know, you've owned businesses, you've had teams, um, you've built cultures. You, you work with and support companies, including the one that I'm a shareholder in. Like, we are both actually connected that way as shareholders in the same company. So as an advisor, all of these things, I think it's there's just a wealth of knowledge there. And then the other piece, too, that um, is important, and I'll actually just read this out because I always tell everybody whenever I do these interviews that there's a quote by Brene Brown where she says, one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through, and it will be somebody else's survival guide. So... That becomes a bit of a intention that I always set because it allows a person to go, okay, you might be sitting on a beautiful deck overlooking the ocean right now, but like, what was that real messy journey to actually get to oh, that place? So I'm looking forward. Very, very true. <laughs> the, str- the struggle is real, as we all know, and it's uh, it's always easy to make a good, uh, good fancy Instagram picture, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, man. And, you know, the last time we were talking, I've got a whole bunch of bullet points here on things that I want us to try and get into, and I'm sure it naturally will. But you brought up this story about a helicopter crash in the Yukon, and you actually prefaced it too, where you're like, ah, I don't know if we're going to have time to talk about that. And I heard that and I was like, oh, man, I got to start with that. Are you open to telling <laughs> that story? It's something that'll kind of yeah, maybe sure. start a foundation. Excellent. Yeah, well, I guess like... Uh... Just like everything in life, everything's got its ups and the downs, right? So we all go through our trials and tribulations, and I'm definitely uh, a part of that um, truth uh, that we all all have as well. So the helicopter crash was uh, back in 1997. Um, 
I'm 45 years old, um, just to date myself out of clarity, and that was when I was about 19 years old. Uh, I was working as a exploration diamond driller, which is basically the uh, early stages of locating minerals, uh, gold, silver, copper, uranium, etc., uh, for mining activities around the world. It's called diamond drilling and it's uh, mineral exploration. So we got to get uh, flown into very, very remote regions. This was up in the Yukon. And we um, we do the first phases of exploration with uh, machinery, uh, tractor-based drills, uh, to drill under the ground and do test samples with geologists to look for mineralization. And uh, so I was doing that when I was 19 years old. My father was uh, in that industry across the world. Uh, my family was in it, and uh, I got a shoe in for a project. I did well in the first one, and that was kind of like my green light to keep on working uh, at it in future projects. Um, it's 12-hour days. It's uh, 60, 90 days in a row, no breaks. Uh, it's tough work, um, some of the toughest work that I've ever encountered, um, and I think a lot of people would acknowledge that too. Um, and it's in remote areas. So in this case, we were flown into the Yukon about three or four hours and, uh, and then we would take a helicopter up into the mountains every morning and, uh, or every night if we were a night shift and, uh, and work 12-hour days uh, for about 90 days straight. And one day while we were moving that equipment uh, from one side of a mountain to another, uh, the helicopter pilot, great guy, um, taught me a lot, kept me alive actually a lot as well. He had uh, picked me up on the side of the mountain and was helping me string some high-pressure hose line across to our new site. And uh, we lifted off in this uh, 550 Bell helicopter, kind of you know, flying, whizzing uh, across a, a mountainside. And if you can imagine a cliff, we kind of, you know, flew over a cliff, uh, which made our altitude go from about 500 feet to about 3,000 feet in a few seconds. And it was about October. So we had uh, apparently um, caused some uh, ice to form around the air intake valves, which are the, the back kind of vents uh, that you see in a helicopter. Um, and that's what ignites the um, gas or gasoline to air ratio, which creates a combustible flame that creates an engine. This I learned later. Um, at the time, there was just this big red flashing light in the middle of the console um, that is the engine outside, and it's that typical movie sound that you hear, dah, 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 as the, uh, the helicopter's uh, engine went out. And we were at a few thousand feet, I guess, at that point. Everything else happens in a few seconds, as slowly as it is in my mind. And uh, we dropped um, obviously, there's no wings on a helicopter. The helicopter pilot was silent, good guy. Um, the last thing I remember is him saying, hold on, very seriously, um, just before impact. Um, he had created an auto-rotation movement, which was kind of like a kamikaze dive to the earth, which created a little bit of friction on the rotor blades to speed up so at the last second he could angle them and create a little bit of lift uh, before impact. We slammed into the mountainside. And the um, rotor blades shattered off um, like splinters in every direction. But of course, through the glass, we were looking at it, uh, waiting for one of those to splinter off in our direction, which would have been uh, done as dinner. Um, then there was a moment of silence as uh, the full impact kind of into the mountainside. And then a screeching as the metal from the rest of the helicopter screeched on the rocks on this steep surface. And we began to slide backwards. Uh, down the mountainside. Um, so as we picked up momentum, we went from 10 to 20 to 30 to 50 kilometers, miles an hour, I guess, pretty quick. Uh, the doors ripped off. The, the Slide as um, you were sliding down the mountain. Down the mountain, yeah, in the Yukon. And so the, the glass is shattering. I'm trying to hold myself up. I don't have a seatbelt on. I chose not to wear one at the time because we were doing uh, work as I was hopping in and out of the helicopter. 
the helicopter is turning over as we're doing this. And I remember a pencil falling, a notepad falling, and then my shoulder getting close to where the ground was flying, um, uh, was where the ground was flying by, kind of like a car on its side down the highway. Um, and my shoulder hit, and I thought that was it. Um, I blacked out, and the last next thing I see is uh, or feel is sensation through my heart, through my limbs. I'm in the air and kind of like a, a cat or a dog flying through the air. All of a sudden, I just reached out with all four and somehow managed to grab the side of the mountain, um, slid to a stop, um, and watched the helicopter continue below me with Dave still in it. And the blood started dripping down my forehead. My shoulder is um, incapacitated. So from emergency that we had uh, been taught, I, I put that in a prone position. Finally, slowly started climbing down the mountain to, uh, to see Dave. And uh, he was upside down in the wreck of a helicopter. Um, not much left to it. His, half of his face is ripped off from being shredded across the rocks. Um, he looks like he's pretty gone. And I look around me and there's just a light snowfall and we're in the middle of the Yukon Mountains, um, you know, pretty much Alaska level. And um, I know my partner that I'm working with is across the other side of the mountain. So I've got to hike up and basically get some help before we just kind of freeze and die there, I guess. So I start hoofing it up the mountainside. I tell Dave to just hang on for a minute. I didn't want to take him out of his seatbelt because that could risk uh, spinal injuries. And I start hoofing it up the, the mountain with blood and sweat rolling off my, my forehead. One of my eye gets kind of swollen shut with a shroud of uh, blood kind of crusting it over. And uh, get up to the corner of a mountain eventually. Scream out to my partner across the mountain. I see he kind of gets the feeling and the vibe and uh, head back down to see Dave. Um, I get down there, and Dave has actually pulled himself out of the out of the seatbelt, landed on his head probably, and then just was kind of in a daze with half of his face gone. And um, get him to lie back. I kind of put myself beside him, and we just kind of lie down there and wait for uh, for my partner Chuck um, on the project to uh, to arrive. And he arrives a few seconds later. But you got to imagine what this guy sees. He's a six foot giant guy, a great guy. He rolls over the side of the mountain. He sees this trail of blood going down to a yard sale of a helicopter strewn across a few thousand feet of mountain and two guys surrounded in blood just lying there pretty much dead. So once he got to me, I could see from his pupil dilation that he was in shock as well. And um, basically, we managed to get a CB signal out to, uh, to base camp, which was a few hours hike away. Um, they had a, a plane kind of flying out overhead of us, trying to help us out at some point. But uh, eventually they had three helicopters lift off, one from Vancouver, which was a military uh, surgical team helicopter, uh, one from Juneau, Alaska, and one from Whitehorse, Yukon, all trying to do the, the rescue mission. Uh, the one from Vancouver was too far away, so they turned back. And the other two helicopters got there at some point a few hours later. It was a bit of a daze. Um, I was given oxygen. I revived then and, uh, and eventually got carried to two helicopters that kind of flew us and took us away. Um, and I've got some, actually some fun uh, Kodak uh, camera pictures from way back then because I had had a camera in my backpack and um, I was smoking at the time, which I, I quit, but we had nothing to do for an hour or two. So we took some pictures, which I've still got somewhere. And anyways, Dave was in the hospital for about a year in uh, intensive condition, intensive uh, care and critical condition as they had flown him down to Vancouver that night in a Learjet. And I walked out of the, the hospital in three days, surprisingly, but was uh, pretty rough shape for a few months after that. And then spent a year in Australia and uh, Indonesia and uh, traveled the world a bit and worked overseas uh, doing some of the same type of work. And then uh, a year later, I actually got back to BC and flew to the same spot 
and did the same project all over again and flew over my crash site every day for about 60 days. And Chuck just happened to roll into the camp about four days after I got there. And we both laughed because it was kind of, it was deep closure flying out of that project. But man, did we laugh at ourselves a few times during that second project uh, when we got into some tight uh, situations with fog and so forth and looked at each other and said, what the hell are we doing back here again? I guess that's also entrepreneurism to a certain extent sometimes as well when you're like, you know, you always go through the ups and downs and sometimes you look at each other and go on, you know, why couldn't we have just shown something else to do with our lives? So, uh, but yeah, I guess that's a little bit of an analogy and uh, a good short story. Totally, man. Well, I honestly, I had no idea what the story was going to be because we kind of ended our last call and you mentioned it. I was like, oh, I think I think I need to dig into this one. But yeah, that's incredible. And I was thinking cliffhanger the whole time we were talking about that. I'm like, <laughs> holy man, when is when is Sylvester Stallone going to show up in this story here? But that's intense, man. Yeah, I think Chuck was bigger than Sylvester, to be honest with you. He's six foot, at least six <laughs> foot four, and probably 220 pounds of solid muscle back then. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, no, what a great kind of uh, analogy to like what you were saying there, there though, too. And I think one of the th- one of the things that you and I have really connected on is obviously we both have a background in entrepreneurship and starting things. And, you know, I, I only know bits about you just through Thomas and what he's told me. And then naturally what Google tells me and what Casa Ryan tells me, your website and all that kind of stuff. But every time I talk to you, there's something else that you share where I'm like, Oh, geez, you've been through that too. Oh, gee, oh, you surf as well. Oh, you you like playing guitar. Oh, you know what I mean. Like we end up finding these commonalities where I'm like, I feel like I could hang out with this guy, and I've never met met him before. You know, like and we've already kind of right built that friendship you, just after. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's been like what three Zoom calls so far, right? So, yeah. anyways, that 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 kind of stuff. Um, I, I just enjoy that because you know I, I want to spend more time with people that I can have these enlightening conversations with, and I have really interesting stories to share too. So I'm so glad you shared the helicopter story because that's a great way for us to start. <laughs> on Look, all of man, this. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do an interview for you on your same show if you want at some point. We can learn more about you as well. I know the spotlight is a bit more on me on this side, but I'd uh, be very interested in hearing more of your stories as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's definitely going to be a part of the model going forward too is, you know, I've really focused on trying to bring other people on and tell their stories. And then I'll throw a little bit about me in there, but it's time to flip flip the microphone at some point here too. So I may take you up on that yeah. offer for sure. Right on. Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, let's maybe dive in then too into a bit of your your corporate background that kind of got you to this place where you know, you're now in Tamarindo, you're in Costa Rica. This, you didn't just get there a couple weeks ago. Like you've been there for, for a few years, I believe. And we were talking about this in our last conversation, the idea of going from like business owner to an employee to contractor and just all of the possibilities that are open to people now. And while it is unlimited possibilities, there's also a lot of things that can really cause a person to stumble or just not really be able to live that life that they think in their head they want to live. And we were speaking about like habits and and all of that stuff. I want to dive down all these paths, but let's maybe uh, have you explain to everybody what brought you to this place from like your corporate journey. So tell everybody about the business that you ran and like what brought you to Costa Rica ultimately. Yeah, so I uh, I started a started a, a tech company, um, mostly in you know hardware, software, wholesale logistics, uh, with a partner about uh, fourteen years ago. Um, that company was bootstrapped, 
um, which was mostly the way to do things back then. Um, 14 years, not, not being that long ago, but a long way in the way the uh, industry goes, I guess, these days. Um, it went, uh, went fairly well. And um, over that 14 years, the company uh, progressed to um, you know have probably somewhere around 700 medium to enterprise level clients. Uh, spent some time in California, San Francisco, a um, bunch of the uh, the usual suspects over there, helping uh, coordinate with projects and, and working on uh, on different things as the company had grown. Uh, I lived in the U.S. Uh, for about seven years um, as well. Um, since we had a lot of activity uh, through the United States and being in the medium to enterprise levels, um, you know, it was global by extension. I first visited Costa Rica, I believe it was in year three of the company, which is when we really just started to make a bit of money at it. And I flew down here because I had a few buddies that were surfers and they had traveled all over Costa Rica and finally found this town and said, Ryan, or said to themselves, actually, not even with me in the picture, and said, we got to spend our entire next trip here. Um, because it had enough of a base of of people, expats, and 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 social ability that it looked like a fun town and some great waves. Um, also, the setting for Endless Summer uh, Two, uh, which is a very famous surf movie that a lot of the surfers will recognize. If you haven't seen it, it's a great old school movie. Uh, Robert August himself still in town and uh, using the movie here um, from time to time. So it, uh, I came down here with them. I uh, wasn't a surfer at the time. I was a two on two beach volleyball player. They happen to have a bit of a group here for two on two, so. My friends surfed a lot, and I played a bit more beach volleyball. And I was sitting on the beach, and uh, it was a mix of guys and girls, kids on the beach, the sun going down, you know, the tropical jungle scenario. And it was just such a healthy environment. Honestly, in my mind, I was like, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna grow myself in a good, positive environment, this is where I should be. And I mean, Canada's got incredible environment and, and settings and, and natural qualities to it as well, but. You know, winters can be a bit tough, to put it mildly, as everybody would know. The, just the environment here and the quality of life and how uh, revived I feel every time I'm here was just incredible. So I kind of set a goal um, to spend more time down here. And I think it took another three years of, of really driving on an operational level that, uh, that company um, before I, I managed to make my way down here uh, again. I just, you know, just started spending more time and getting to know the area and and I guess, you know, this whole remote working style kind of started about, it'll be 10 years ago, I guess, uh, next year, uh, where really I started not necessarily being completely nomadic, because that, that was a little bit tough to manage, but more like spending a significant amount of time, like six months plus in a region, to really get to know the community, the area, and that being, you know, socially, business, you know, socially, economically, and being a little bit more a part of those areas than just kind of like roaming around from town to town, you know, week by week. So I think it's really interesting because the world is obviously kind of fast, um, fast paced into this remote working opportunity, uh, which I think is great. I think I think thanks to COVID has catalyzed something very powerful and a level of freedom uh, that everybody is starting to see. And I think that was actually a long time in coming. But with freedom, there's also, you know, it's tough to find ways to create good habits. Um, you know, I started getting some allergies about 10 years ago, growing the company, um, having a certain level of freedom and choosing a little bit more of the party lifestyle at the time while I was still active in sports, uh, not eating very well. And, um, and it took a lot of learning to, uh, to realize how to create some really disciplined habits put myself in good places where I could truly prioritize health and wellness 
um, still contribute um, on an energy level to business um, and just keep things aligned in a way that felt right. Um, and that's not easy to do because a lot of things in this world, I think, are still you know, kind of convoluted. So it's not easy for any of us to really kind of keep a good straight path. Um, so it hasn't been easy. I've gone through my fair share of ups and downs with it. But, uh, but that's, you know, I'm living my best life as, uh, as I've learned because of that. Yeah, no, that's, and it, that just opens up so many different things. And this is exactly how I figured our conversation would go. Cause that's how we have the, our, you know, just natural conversations. We just happen to be recording this one, but the, <laughs> the, the whole idea of, um, you know, how things have accelerated, especially in the last 18 months, two years type thing. That that's an important one, I think, that I'd like to dig in with you on here too, because you know, you were t- you're telling me essentially that like I think I think you were referencing like maybe 11, 13, 12 years ago type thing was the first time you visited Costa Rica, and it was because of the work that you were doing, and you know, you're living in the states and all that kind of stuff. And I remember when I first started my first entrepreneurial venture, it was like 2005, 2004, 2005 type thing. And my business partner at the time, his name is Michael Askey. I've also interviewed him on the podcast, but I remember him saying stuff to me back then of like freedom 35 and I'm going to Costa Rica and you'll run the business here and I'll be down there. And at the time there was parts of me that was like, that sounds cool. But then I was like, wait a second, this sounds like a crock of shit. And wait, I got to run this and you're going down living in paradise. There was a lot of like stories going on in my head back then where I couldn't even fathom the idea of like moving outside of my bubble that was my community, my province, my country, you know, let alone that, right? But, you know, fast forward 15 years later, and now, you know, it's been planted in my head. And obviously, I've made slow steps towards that. But for anybody, especially like we were talking about this the other day, the stats are telling us that there's like 4.5 million people a month that are either quitting their jobs or getting fired in the United States alone. And it's causing people to step back and go, you know, and some of them are going, well, where's the the grass greener on the other side, which is one choice. Other people are saying, where's the company that I can go work for where I don't have to ever go into an office, which then opens up the possibilities of working anywhere. And then there's the entrepreneurial types that'll say the same thing. And now they're trying to decide where to go. My question for you is this right now is um, what have you seen in Costa Rica and just in your own periphery of like that influx? Like, how are you seeing that whole world and people showing up there even? And what's, uh, yeah, I'll just start with that. What, what are you seeing on your end? That's a great question. I talk about this uh, a lot. It's, um, I find it, uh, I, I really am inspired and motivated when I can help people go through those processes of, uh, of negotiation and stepping into different places, really where they want to be. Um, in life. And I've helped uh, a few friends, a few people that have just reached out from time to time as well, go through those steps of, of you know, speaking with their, their employers or, or other to say, look, you know, I'd like to change the terms of, of how we work together. Um, and this is what I'm looking for. Um, and I've seen them succeed at it and succeed very well at it. Um, and it's been really rewarding for me just to see that. Um, I find in Costa Rica, since I've been here, and especially in the last uh, two years, let's say, that I'll meet people, you know, out in the water surfing at 6 a.m. in the morning, um, which I like to, to be out there at that, that point because I'm back in uh, back at the, the office by 8 o'clock. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be floating there and someone will be floating beside me and I can tell by their board that they're a bit of a beginner. 
Um, but they're just loving the, the scene out there. The sun's rising. The water's calm ahead of us, but it's, you know, it's breaking in the, in the waves uh, just uh, in front of us. And you strike up a conversation. The quality of that conversation, first of all, is incredible. And they're like, well, you know, I'm, I, just, uh, I just flew down here, moved down here from New York City or from, from London, or, or we've got you know, people from Switzerland flying in here all the time, from Europe, uh, even in Asia, like a really good dynamic mix of expat community. And I can tell that a lot of the times they're still not even sure if they're really allowed to be here or not, as far as what they've just, you know, from the office setting that they've been kind of stuck to for their entire lives to all of a sudden be floating on the ocean in this paradise. And then just, you know, hopping across the road to their fiber internet and being able to, uh, um, to work again. And to go through the conversation and see them slowly extend their stay um, and stay longer and slowly go through those, those doors of perception where they start to see the way. Um, I love seeing people go through that because it is true freedom. And it's, uh, you know, they're really starting to live their best life. It's great to see. And I've seen a lot of that. Um, so, so it is making big changes around the world. And, uh, and I think the same for businesses, right? I mean, businesses are starting to see now that, you know, they can manage their systems uh, remotely, it, but it takes change. And it takes change from an executive level as well um, to be able to kind of cope, manage, and, and, and figure out how to keep things moving forward uh, while managing those new structures. Um, and that's not easy either. So, so don't get me wrong. I'm not painting it, you know, on one side or the other. But that's a new reality. And I say thanks to COVID, you know, the world is seeing a new level of freedom. Um, it's just uh, how do we find the right habits and the right structures to, to keep that on a good course, you know? And I'll tell you those, you know, waking up, doing yoga um, at uh, 5.45 before you hit the ocean at 6 a.m. By the time you push back that break and your cardio is just given it, you're ready to crawl back to shore, but you finally get past the break and you're floating out there in the Zen area, and you strike up a good conversation with someone from the other part of the world, and they're basically doing the same thing as you. Um, and you go back to the office by 8 a.m., and man, you are just like sharp at that point because your system has cleaned out all its toxins. Um, you're feeling healthy and active. You got sufficient vitamin D. You know, COVID rates down here, like things have been open, you know, I'd say 90% of the time compared to up north. Um, and that's environmental to a certain extent, as well as, you know, probably a lower population to a certain extent over here as well. Um, but a bunch of factors have just kept this place in a really good qualitative environmental structure, you know? Yeah, again, man, like uh, this is why I love talking to you is like you, I, the more I chat with you, I realize like you're actually a really good storyteller too. Like the way that you paint that picture, like I'm putting myself in that spot too. And I'm like, it feels like I'm there already, which naturally, of course, is just, you know, the meditative state that we can, you know, create on our own too. Because Hey, thanks, man. Encouragement is always, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and like to, to even take that a step further, like, um, Nico, so Thomas and Nico were the, the two guys that kind of co-founded the company that we're both, um, you know, a part of as well as, as like shareholders and advisors and that type of thing. But I was talking to Nico the other day because we were, um, talking about 2022 coming up here and like really overarching. He's like, He's like, what is the milestone that you'd like to hit? Like, what's what's your what's a statement, your your objective for 2022 as Trevor the individual? And you know what I told him? I said, Nico, I want to do a deal on a surfboard next year. 
And it was literally because of like what, what you just said there, you know, because we were having that conversation a few weeks back. So, and there's obviously a lot of pieces to that, right? It's not just, a, and that's ultimately not the the end goal. It's not about trying to do no, business on the but surfboard, it's, but it's just the, there's a prioritization of health and wellness there and a quality of life exactly. that you're saying in your mind is your first priority. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do, right? Especially in entrepreneurism to really say, no, I, I, I can make that a priority. Um, and it, it was great, you know, like um, getting Thomas down here for a while uh, while he was driving um, the Republic ship. Um, I mean, it was it was a big step for them. And I remember him and his, uh, his wife um, being on the phone with me and, uh, and just drilling me husband and wife style um, because of their kids and say, like, in the middle of COVID being like, can we actually trust this guy to, like, step down into Costa Rica? And uh, while they've got so much responsibility, both on the household side and on the business side, but to see them actually take those steps after some serious drilling, yes, and actually, like, on the business side, continue to thrive even more so just because of the quality of energy that he was able to exude, I think, just from the healthiness of the of prioritizing his health and wellness, as well as the family side and watching the kids, like, helping them learn surfing out here on Sundays and then us all going for dinner and then, you know, strategizing on, on some next steps uh, that, they were work- that he was working on. You know, they, they became family to me to a certain extent down here as well. And it was, it was amazing to see them have that experience and see how life-changing it was compared to their, you know, their townhouse in the middle of winter uh, up in Canada. And I love Canada. There's no question about it. But um, there's also something to being globally minded um, and recognizing that, you know, we, we put borders in, in place for control mechanisms to a certain extent. But reality is it's one world, you know? Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up Thomas and this whole thing, too, because he's kind of the the conduit that ultimately how I got connected to you because same kind of deal is, you know, my wife and I have been talking about this, like, Hey, we should maybe consider not living here and going somewhere else. And we've been throwing that around for like six years, but then, you know, meeting Thomas and I'll, I'll spare everybody the long story. You can go watch a whole other episode. I've got the whole story on like how me and Thomas met and ended up becoming, you know, partners and all that kind of stuff. But that's ultimately how you and I got connected was that Thomas took the leap first and brought his family down and he's got five boys. I got two. So like what I was hearing from them, I was like, okay, so they were doing this times two and a half as far as considerations for like, you know, safety and schooling and, you know, how to get around and just all the things that come up when you first start thinking about not just bringing yourself down, but your family too. Right. And it's just been really, um, exciting, I think, to, for, for all of us, including you too, to start to see the evolution of, of like our company even too, just truly embrace this idea that like everything's becoming decentralized. Our, there's no more offices anymore. Everybody's working remotely and we can do this very easily from anywhere. The one thing I want to maybe lead you into next is like the habit side of things, because we were kind of joking around about this last time, but I remember the first time I went on an all-inclusive vacation, which was like 2004 or something like that. And I flew down once a year to Mexico from Saskatchewan, which it was like minus 30 every time we left. And we landed there and it was gorgeous. And I drank and ate my face off for seven days. And then I flew home and went, oh man, I wish I could go there again. But then looking back, I'm thinking like, man, if I operated how I used to on all-inclusives in this new world, I wouldn't last a month. You know, I'd end up being sick and and just depressed and everything in between. So 
how have you built those habits over time? And what do you see in other people and, and some of the people that you've supported along this journey too, where they've struggled, succeeded, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I'd say I've seen it in a lot of different levels and layers. Um, and I, I'm definitely, I mean, I've got good experience at it, but I've definitely been through my trials and tribulations on it. I'd say the first realization when I was about 32 or three, and I started catalyzing those allergies um, because I was, I was staying up late, I was partying, I was trying to drive a business by day, I was eating shitty food and playing high-intensity um, sports. I mean, just like all types of different directions, you know, but still in my 20s, invincible, even though I was in my 30s. Um, and I, I realized that I had to, like, make some changes in my life when those allergies started, and so I just dove into nutrition. I was reading, just I geeked out on books, like, huge books and, and trying to learn and just trying to find information anywhere I could. And uh, so I started to realize I just had to like accept some of my limits. I had to focus on quality nutrition and understand what that meant um, from the information that was out there. And then I had to look at the quality of how I cleansed out toxicity in my body on a regular basis um, while you know being in a sedentary type of work environment at the same time. And so... You know, I'd say, like, if you look at my habits now, like I said, that 545, like, you know, hike down to the beach, yoga, you know, grounded, um, balanced, um, into the ocean, uh, cardio, you know, exercise, peace of mind, um, and then back to the back to work by 8 a.m. Um, at a good quality, uh, down here they call it the uh, Casado, which is the... Uh, uh, funny enough, means married also in Costa Rica. It's their typical plate, and it's, and it's married. I don't know what's going on there, but anyways. Um, rice, rice, beans, um, and uh, some avocado on the side. Um, a bit of uh, meat that can be vegetarian. Um, but it's also, you know, it's a, it's a balanced calorie diet, which because I'm doing a fair level of exercise, kind of balances out and makes sense. Um, so anyways, those, those are kind of the habits I, I basically started to build um, to make sure that I had a good nutrition and exercise regime in my day. Um, and then definitely notice with the levels of vitamin D and quality, I think air and even the way a lot of the food out here is, is created without the same levels of, uh, um, of chemicals and so forth in it, I think really just all around helped the allergy levels um, balance out properly. Um, so, and it's been a tough road. That's been, that's, you know, that's not like I learned that overnight. That's for sure. That was, that's, that's ongoing still. <laughs> I think it's always will be in my life. Yeah, for sure. I just made a note to myself here because I remember, dude, when we first got introduced to and I was like, hey, what's a good time of day for you to connect? And you were like, um, well, I surf in the morning and I spearfish in the afternoon. So anytime in between, I was like, holy shit, this guy's got the life. You know, I was like, what's your meeting slots? It's like between surfing and spearfishing. <laughs> yeah, well, the um, yeah, the truth that I think people don't understand, don't really realize, too, is everybody does go back to that seven day vacation, all-inclusive, whenever they think of people living in these areas, like that's what their life is. And it's not at all. I mean, when you're by the beach all the time, it's like saying you're on a ski hill every day because you're up in up north. Like, it just doesn't happen that way. You're, you're on the ski hill on the weekends. Maybe you go for a night ski after, after five o'clock. I mean, here, man, if you're outside after like 9.30, 10 a.m., or if you're outside before 4 p.m., I mean, it's brutally hot. Like, you want to be inside. Um, so the truth is, is, you know, the, 
that idea of lying on the beach all day and stuffing your face and drinking yourself silly, I mean, A, it's just poor habits and, and, uh, and, and quality of structure. And we've all been through it. I've been there myself too, don't get me wrong. Um, and it's just not the reality when you start to structure yourself into a, a living style rather than a vacation style um, perception of what the reality is. Yeah, and I think it's maybe second nature to both of us now. And I, I was just reflecting on this in my own head as you were talking there too. But I think back to like when this whole pandemic started in the start of March too, and people, you know, within a month or two, you could start to see people's careers and their finances and their day-to-day lifestyles and stuff get really influenced, like impacted by it, right? And then I have people ask me, it's like, well, how's it impacting you? I'm like, not at all. Like I've literally been working remotely for the better part of a decade now, I set myself up in the entrepreneurial space to dive straight in head first, learn through the school of hard knocks, not always the best way to do it. I'm still a big advocate for finding mentors to help uh, ease that curve, you know, that learning curve, but still a lot to be said for just diving in. So I, I personally felt like the child, the whole like opening of the world and this remote working and creating a structure hasn't been a huge thing. But when we think about these 4.5 million people quitting jobs or even companies that are trying to create a culture that allows their employees to realize that like, look, we support you on this and let us help you try and get some structure where you used to know that you had a commute and then you had water cooler talk and then you had lunchtime. And then like there was structure in people's days before. And now it's just all over the place, right? And I personally think it's incredible, but I also know the reality that a lot of people are going to fall down on this. They're going to really struggle with it, you know? Has there been anything over the years for you that have allowed you to um, kind of evolve in that way where, you know, maybe you used to have this like fairly structured routine and then you stumbled along the way and then found something a little more consistent? Honestly, I feel like that's every day. (laughs) I mean, those habits, I mean, we all fall out of the habits every day of our lives, every week to a certain extent, right? So yeah, I mean, the, easy, the, the really easy answer is it's, it's always ongoing. There's not an easy answer other than trying to stay in, that, in the best track you can um, on a regular basis. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, with my first company, I mean, we really tried to, to help move things along in those directions too. We built a, a fully functional 2,000 square foot gym integrated into the company. We also built a, a health food restaurant integrated into it trying to open up some of those concepts from an early early era, I think, um, in those directions. And I still remember getting to San Francisco and telling them about those concepts and then being like, oh, yeah, cool, yeah, we're totally doing the same thing down here and being like, all right, you know, i got some things in common with the West Coast brothers. And yeah, and then just going and moving from that system into a more flexible remote working uh, setting is, is not easy as well. Um, and there's always going to be ups and downs through that. It's just, I think, really trying to stay in tune with um, the best quality of prioritizations you can. Um, I know I, that's not really a concrete answer to your question, um, but I think that's the best one I can give off the top of my head. Yeah, well, and I think it speaks to, like we were talking the other day just about cultures within companies and stuff and how do you support the people ultimately that that build these these visions together, right? And the whole idea of like, a company has values and mission and vision, and so does an individual. And if you can find a way that the two of them can serve each other, where like 
this is how I'm seeing like the last couple of years have gone. And, you know, you're, you're a part of it because you're a piece of the puzzle of, of people that I've met along the way. It's like, how do I live my best life and make sure that I'm serving my values and that they're not in conflict with what I'm doing on the business side of things. And, you know, I think this is from what I've understood of you and who you are and how you show up and how you're an advisor with companies and stuff is that that's one of the values you bring is that experience of the years of, you know, running very successful companies financially, but then also understanding, for lack of a better term, work-life balance and how to support people to actually live their greatest lives and knowing that that's an important piece of the puzzle of actually creating a business that has the ability to last as well. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, if we just uh, like uh, looking at uh, Republics too and Thomas, when I met him at his early stages and you can tell this guy was driven um, and being able to to share on the learning. I mean, a lot of the work I do tends to be with CEOs um, in companies that are looking to grow and scale. And I find I've had the best ability to create change just because that mindset starts to pervade through the organization to a certain extent. Um, but it's really of their own drive and initiative. It's not mine. You know, it, I can I can offer suggestions, but I am by no means the person that then um, implements um, that change. So, you know, that's 100% theirs. Um, but watching the uh, watching the drive and initiative of people that want to move forward and succeed, and then also being able to start to help tune in to the health and wellness side and quality of life side along the way, um, that's the really rewarding part. The business side of you know M um, and A and roll ups and SaaS models and valuations and investors and structuring departments and so forth. I mean, I'm still in that game, but honestly, it's not really where my true motivations are, right? When I can see a family move to a place that they've always dreamed of and help them um, feel comfortable with that and, and live that, that's been the, the best inspiration and motivation to me. Um, but it's all part and parcel, right? So that's, uh, that's kind of, uh, they're all aspects of, of, I guess, what I'm doing these days. And I'm, I'm still kind of struggling, I think, to um, help get that message out there and, uh, and find people that, uh, that want to do that more. And I think uh, with Republics and Thomas and the way you guys are driving, I think what you're building is really along those same lines, which is great to see um, in your own way and in the digital marketing space, um, but in a structure that really allows um, you, know, you guys and girls to all work with those type of dynamics um, and also help organizations uh, get their messages out there um, in you know, this changing and evolving world. Yeah, well, it's truly a ripple effect, you know, and there was one of my guests in the past um, had a quote that said, there's no such thing as business problems. There's only personal problems that show up as business problems. And you're kind of speaking to that, right? Which is like, you maybe don't know this or maybe you do, but like the fact that Thomas actually took the initiative to go to Costa Rica, because we've all been talking about this for years. Like when I met Thomas at first, like we just instantly hit it off and like his energy is infectious. And there's a part of me that's like, holy man, like I want whatever that guy's drinking, you know, which is amazing though. Like it's awesome to have partners like that. Right. And I've totally love and admire all the drive that Thomas has and the fact that, like, I don't know if I know anybody that works harder than him, you know, and he knows it, too. But I also saw a misalignment for a while there, too, where it was like, dude, like, you are going to drive yourself into the ground. And ultimately, our aligned vision that is about best life and creating best life for the clients that we work with, too, it has to be holistic, which means that 
from the top down, you need to be exactly what we are trying to create and who we, who we, what we want to create for everybody else. And I can tell you, Matt, Mike, you had a huge part of that, of supporting him in that journey. And so I think, you know, if, if, if we were ever to define like, what does Ryan actually do and how does he support people? It's, it's that, Good right. Question. It's that thing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And well said, I mean, you, uh, you can tell even with yourself as well, that it is a priority and a, and a structure that you, that you work on yourself. And I think we all do to a certain extent as well. And yeah, that's, that's life, right? I mean, um, there's, you know, there's, there's definitely a departmentalization and categorization of all the different attributes and aspects of life around us. But, uh, the truth is it's one holistic, uh, path at the same time. And, uh, and we're out there just trying to help each other out. So, um, yeah, and it's been uh, it's been a great experience learning even for me as well from uh, from the quality of, of him as a leader, um, you know Nico as well, you, the entire team you guys have over there, um, and uh, and continuing to try to improve uh, myself along the way as, as well. So yeah, it's um, interesting times. We're all on this journey, exactly. Yes. So, um, but and I will be having more of these people that we're mentioning right now. So, like Nico and I have actually already done a really great video together talking about the types of businesses we work with. But Thomas, I'll be having on. Mandy's coming on the podcast here soon too. So there'll be a lot of good energy being shared, and you can see all the alignment that we have and continue to evolve on. So. Um, Ryan, I've got a handful of questions that I always ask every single guest here too, and it may dig in a little bit too into some of the the roots of what's brought you to this place, even too. So, um, if you're up for it, I got seven questions to end us on this this uh, this interview here. Good to go. All right. So, first question is, who is one person or mentor that you believe has been the most influential in your life all time? So you can go back to childhood if you want. Alex Hunold. The guy's a rock climber with no ropes. It's absolutely crazy to most of us. But I attribute it to being an entrepreneur similarly, where when you eat, slept, and breathe something so much, it might look crazy to others. But in truth, it's true knowledge and capability uh, to yourself. Um, and so it's always been a uh, kind of like a superhero out there for me, not that I think I have very many of them. Um, other than that, honestly, the people I work with as well, too. I just, it's always, uh, I always see great strength and capability in them. And I think that's one thing that allows me to help them so much as well is that I see it and I know that it's within them. Um, so I think that's, that's true as well. Actually, I was thinking too, at the start, when you were talking about like flying back over the crash site and stuff and the, the analogy or the metaphor of the fact of like almost, um, addictively like going back to the source of the pain, knowing that like, well, I've already been through that. So it's not really going to hurt. Like I know what to expect, you know, it's such a good analogy from an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial standpoint, you know? Yeah, I was, uh, it was facing those fears and then, uh, gaining the closure from it. That was, it was truly rewarding. It was a learning experience. Mm. Yep. Full circle loop there. Cool. Great answer. So next question, very similar, but slightly different here. So who is one person or mentor that you feel is the most influential in your life right now? So somebody that you're maybe interacting with a lot, somebody that has a lot of influence out over how you show up every single day. It's a very good question. I, I don't know. Um, I don't think I have a good answer for you there. I mean, the friends that I have in this region, um, all of them become heroes I'd say, or people that I respect and listen to and learn from on a regular basis, because they all 
everybody's got something about them that we can learn from. And so I don't think anybody stands out in particular as much as the friendships that I'm making around me. Um, I'm learning something from all of them and I'm following uh, that, that learning uh, stage with all of them to a certain extent. And it always makes me feel more aware of myself in different ways. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, perfect answer. I should have framed this at the start, which is whatever comes to mind is the right answer. Because <laughs> some people answer this question and yeah. they... Yeah, exactly. Some people answer this question and they go, I can't really think of anybody, but honestly, I think it's me. Like, I, I think I'm the most influential person on myself right now because of how I'm showing up. And like the first time I heard that answer, I was like, damn, I, I'm around my people here. Like people that know yeah, that like we need to, to go in. Might sound like ego, but truth is, I mean, I think a bit of ego is probably a healthy thing as well. And if you're listening to your better self, that's always a good direction to move in. Yeah. And I think you're you're just kind of bolting on the other piece of that, which is incredibly important, which is like the five people that you spend the most amount of time with are going to have probably some influence. They're going to energetically like just pieces of how they show up every day are going to have a have a part in how you choose to show up every day too, right? So yeah, surround yourself by the best people you can. Yeah, perfect answer. All right. So next question: uh, What is one philanthropic cause that means the most to you, and why? Philanthropic cause uh, to me would be, um, I mean, I, I can't think of an organization other than, I mean, it sounds tacky, but like the United Nations, I'd say, and then um, only because I believe in a global structure. Um, and I think borders do limit us to a certain extent. And I know there's all types of dynamics around the UN um, as it's struggled to grow over the last 40 years and so forth. Kind of a tacky answer. Um, but a true one. And uh, then I think, uh, I think uh, you know, poverty and population uh, management are, are important as well. well there's, a, there's all sorts of good causes out there and, and good people all trying to do their best. Um, so I also try to keep that in mind whenever I encounter people too. feels like every time I start to feel overly philanthropic about a certain way of living life, some great person appears before me and counteracts that to a certain extent. And yet, um, my best self still shows them love and appreciation. That's the best part of that exercise, I think. No, it's good. And, and to give you some context again, too, is like whenever I have a lot of entrepreneurial people on my podcast, just by default, right? It's not all entrepreneurs, but you know, some of the struggles that I think a lot of the entrepreneurs have had in answering that question is, we immediately kind of default to like the nonprofit and then there's this distrust and then this whole idea of like, man, how can I really make a difference in this world? Like these, these problems just seem so overwhelming. Right. And a lot of times the answers default back to like, you know, look like the work that I do, how I choose to show up every day and, and the people I choose to surround myself with and what they're doing and the big things they're up to is my philanthropic work. Right. And, I never thought saw it that way before either, you know, because the first time I was asked that question, my, I immediately went to where am I giving my money to? And then I felt this guilt. I was like, shit, I don't really give a lot of money to nonprofits. And I just had to kind of reframe this like, well, what does it mean to be philanthropic? You know? So I think your answer was bang on. Like it's how a lot of people that I, I think yours was too, Trevor. Answer that question. Yeah, you can relate. Yeah. You get it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. And just living your best life yourself. I mean, that's, 
There was a quote I saw recently where it was like, when I was young, I tried to change the world. Now that I'm older and wiser, I just try to change myself. Very, very true, which has that ripple effect that ultimately changes the world without trying too hard, right? <laughs> yeah. Deep and, thought. And deep thought. Walking the walk, I guess. Yeah, that's a huge one, actually, too, and, and kind of tied into everything we've been talking about um, and keeps on coming up more and more for me, which is like, if I have this vision of this life that I want to live and I see Ryan Peters as somebody that's kind of living a piece of that thing, which is like doing deals on the on the surfboard, it's like, how do I need to show up to actually be in that place where that is my reality, you know? And for me, it's it's stepping back to my diet, my exercise, my daily routines, my meditation, my journaling. Um, I just got a, a horse trough and threw it on the deck to do some cold plunging and stuff too, because I'm just trying to condition myself to be like, to create, create good habits, you know? Oh, cold water plunges are the best. I honestly, it's one of my favorite things as far as the <laughs> discipline to stay calm in freezing cold water and understanding your body's ability to adapt to it is such a good exercise. Yeah. A little bit tougher probably to uh, create the cold water plunge down in Costa Rica, isn't it? <laughs> they've got they've got them in places. It's not the same though. Like you, you do a cold water plunge in the middle of winter in Canada. Yeah, there, there's no comparison to having a cold water plunge in somewhere down south, you know? Um, for sure. That's true. Totally. I'll send you, I've been recording myself uh, every day. I actually felt a little sick the last couple of days, but I got two days in and the second day was perfect. I'll send you that one. It's literally the snow's like coming down and I'm on my deck and I get in and um, there's a lot of deep breathing right now where I truly feel like I've got a long ways to go to kind of like really calm myself. There's a lot of straight up fear-based like, I'm gonna die, I think. <laughs> oh it's yeah, it's like right a, now, it's, but. It's a good exercise against anxiety and it just helps you breathe and meditate and all those kind of main principles around yoga. Yeah, so I'm on that journey as well and this is where we'll we'll talk more about that as well. But okay, next question for you here, Ryan. Um, what is one thing that you're most grateful for right now? Uh, family. I, I've always been a bit of an independent guy. I'm the oldest in a family. I've got three sisters and a younger brother. They're all younger. Um, and I've always, my family's been great. Um, they're all great people and the extended family as well. But it's only been as I've gotten older that I really appreciate that. And I, I learn about other people's stories and experiences with various levels of, of family um, in their lives that I really, truly appreciate how lucky I am to have had that all my life. Love it. Beautiful answer. Next question, what is one thing that you are most curious about right now and wanting to explore further, learn more about? I am curious about my ability um, to continually adapt and succeed in the directions that I want to, which typically I also fear uh, failing in as well. I think a lot of people listening will probably be able to relate to that one. <laughs> Um, and it's, and it's another reason why I'm doing this podcast too, is I know when I have conversations with you and other people like you, that I find my tribe and the people that also feel the same way. I feel normal for lack of a better term. It's like, cause I feel like I'm a little bit of that quote unquote black sheep as well, where 
There's aspects of me that's constantly seeking and constantly excited by the thrill of the next thing and also constantly self-doubting and scared shitless all the time of what's going to happen next, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I totally feel you there, brother. (laughs) Yeah, you get around people that think and feel the same way and you can elevate together as well, too. So, all right. Last question for you here, which is kind of related to that, which is what is one thing that scares you right now that you know you need to meet with bravery? I'm going to answer it generally, um, and that is to um, meet the unknown with uh, positivity and openness always, which sounds like a bit of a tacky yoga answer to things. Um, But it's those things that I fear the most that I start to create anxiety around and start to build distrust about that it seems like whenever I am able to revert and to recognize um, good quality and intention around them, Um, my energy and my world improves around me again. So it's like that self-doubt that creeps into everything from time to time. And so it's not anything necessarily in specific as much as anything that I kind of put a value in front of myself um, that I then start to doubt my capabilities um, or the capabilities of those involved in it around me. Hmm. Yeah, you've said a few times that you're speaking in generalities, but I can tell you that I... Like it lands for me, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right Maybe it's generalities and, and not like naming names or specific instances and that type of thing, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And on, on that note too, I just uh, just want to acknowledge you, man, for um, for everything that you were just kind of wrapping up on there because, you know, we've only had a handful of conversations, but I feel like we've we've really got to know each other well. And I, I feel like there's going to be a friendship and, and um, you know, we'll be able to create a lot of things together. And that's, I think, one of the byproducts of um, what you're just alluding to, which is that trust of like, look, I'm going to go down a path of like feeling maybe uncomfortable where I have a story in the past of I did this and then that happened, but I'm choosing a different story. And I know that I'm going to attract those types of people into my life. And naturally, the momentum and just the energy of all of that will just amplify. That's what I'm feeling right now. I don't know about you, but um, you're that kind yeah, well, of this person is a, that I know. That's that's uh, equal on my side. I mean, I, I really appreciate this whole podcast and interview side and so forth. I've been, I think I've been searching for a bit of that um, communication level. And this is what, you know, you and, and your team's expertise is too, which is great. I mean, it just shows in the quality of this exchange between us, I think as well. Um, and it's been great getting to know you also. And I, I've, I've, shared that obviously with other people that you uh that you work with and and that's how we've got to know each other um so yeah i honestly equally i really appreciate you extending uh this invitation and yet again another great conversation with you above and beyond and uh and i look forward to seeing you on that surfboard down here so uh um happy to uh, help you walk through that and of course if there's anybody else out there that uh feels like uh, exploring some of the things that we spoke about. I mean, don't hesitate to reach out to me as well. Um, you know, at uh, casaryan.com, C-A-S-A-R-Y-A-N.com. And there's also Dev Yonder, which is the business side, D-E-V-Y-O-N-D-E-R.com. Uh, little advertisement out there. Hope you don't mind, Trevor. <laughs> no, totally. That was actually the next thing I was going to ask you is how people can connect with you and find out more about you. See, so I already answered that, but... Um... I'll say I will definitely be taking you up on the offer of like 
had melt on that surfboard because um, it's been a while since I've actually went. That was the thing I was reminding myself. And then like you and I are actually the exact same age. I'm 45 as well. And I was thinking the last time I went on a real surfing trip was North Shore, Hawaii. And it was 2014, I want to say. So it's been a good seven years. And we surfed every single day for like three weeks. So I went through the whole learning curve of like not having a clue or forgetting what I was doing to then like starting to get the muscle back to then like, damn, I feel like I got this to then all oh, the surf trip end ended. And then, and I haven't really been back since. So I know I'm going, I'm going to go back through that again. And, um, the thing that got me through that trip though, um, and this is where I'll lean on you is my buddy, Mike Alaski again, because I remember I'd be out in the water and he would just be saying little tiny things to me, you know, like, you know, you got to look out into the horizon and, Oh, here comes one. And you miss the next like dozen. Right. But it's just that it's like a mentorship relationship, right? Just on the waves as opposed to business. So it was, that's such a fun experience too. I mean, if I can give a bit of an analogy along the same lines, I was out in the water um, a while ago, a few months ago, actually. And I met this couple There was out there, a guy and girl, um, you know, the, they were both trying to learn how to surf. I could tell they were fairly new at it. Um, she was actually having a little bit more luck at it than he was. Um, and you can tell she was trying not to overshow it kind of thing. But uh, um, I started... <laughs> Started talking to both of them in the water. They kind of understood that I was a fairly solid guy. So we opened a conversation, said I was in business. And I said, well, you're probably doing amazing in business too, aren't you? And it opened this conversation and the guy, you know, he's got this business that I think is valued now at about $4.5 billion, And they had just raised $250 million. And here he was just out in the water, you know, and uh, just met him out in the most perfect qualitative spot and started giving him little kind of tidbits of information on how to actually catch that wave. And I mean, the guy's obviously caught some serious waves in his life already in, in different ways. But it was amazing even to watch his mind open up on the conversation while um, starting to tune in to how to catch that wave just out in the ocean um, and actually walk through and surf the same wave with him as he caught it. Um, while we were talking about business, and I don't even know if his brain was registering both dynamics happening at the same time. And it was so rewarding for me to watch just this person catch a wave and open up so much. Um, it's great the people that you meet, you know, um, down here, up there, and it's, it's that same process for everybody. Yeah, that's the one thing that I've really loved about surfing, which, you know, like both of us being from Canada, we didn't really grow up around waves, right? You might have had something a little bit closer to you out in Montreal and Quebec and stuff. Maybe, I don't know. But I grew up in Saskatchewan, man. Like, we didn't have surfing in Saskatchewan. So I literally grew up with, like, no idea of what the ocean was even like. An underlying fear of sharks, even though I had never even been close to the ocean, but I watched Jaws. Like, all these crazy things growing up, you know, that just, like, implanted this stuff. And then I remember when I first started learning surfing, like, it was super frustrating and then I actually allowed the advice that my buddy was giving me to land. And then I realized how much easier it would be if I just like gave into it and like try and allowed myself to go with the flow. And the metaphors of that and business, like the more and more that I've evolved as an entrepreneur um, and even in personal relationships too, I realized the more I, I try and force, the less successful I am. The more I'm in flow, everything just works, you know? But you got to be humble. You got to be humble enough to realize. Yeah. Now, now I'm tuning into your uh, your energy. Thanks. Yeah, that's very well said. Yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah. 
So we will create that for sure. Uh, thanks again, man, for doing this. This was fun. And just so you know, I always do follow-up interviews with everybody on my podcast too. So we'll we'll make sure we get another one on the calendar here in, in the coming months as well. Any excuse for another good conversation with you? Happy to, Trevor. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave. Yes.